Hey guys, welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. This is a special show that I was I, I, I was asked to do it, <clears throat> and people didn't know that I had already had this in my mind of doing it, which was the CM Punk timeline, as you see in the title. And so I'm doing a cold open here because I wanted to address a couple things. One, um, this show goes about a little over an hour, and I know a lot of times people ask me, "Hey man, why are you tell the timestamps?" And I know you guys can see it. I say it just because I know a lot of times. When people are conditioned to something and it changes, it can affect the, the viewership or listenership, you know? And sometimes it's like, I don't... So many people like when I go longer. They, they prefer long, the longer episodes over the, the shorter ones. But a lot of times also, I don't feel the need to keep beating a dead uh, horse, you know? So that's why I get to the point, get get out of here, you know? But I did want to do a cold for two reasons. And this is the second year in a row I've had to do this, which is pretty sad. But... You guys don't know these people, <laughs> but it was uh, two big losses in my family this year, uh, extended family. Um, one was uh, a gentleman by the name of Martin Ewers. Uh, he got cancer in October, stage four lung cancer, passed away the, the the day after Thanksgiving. Huge loss for this world. Such a great man. Uh, he leaves behind a wife and two children. Um, the saddest thing about this is that his youngest is only 18 months old, so he won't ever really get to know his his father, I, I had the pleasure of meeting him at a job. I was working in Colorado, and we just uh, we bonded over the foolishness at the job and the disrespect and stuff like that. And so um, I remember him. I remember when I left the job. No, he left the job first. And um, I remember him. He started calling my phone. I'm like, yo, what does this guy want? You know, he kind of like he seen the connection. He felt the connection, and he wanted to keep it alive. And I'm forever grateful for that. So. Um, rest in peace. Uh, I, my condolences to the family. Just such a, a terrible loss um, t- for the world, as I said. And the second one was Dr. Julius Brown. Uh, this man, like, I didn't know his origin story until I called his daughter to give my to pass my con- to my condolences. Just so you guys know, Dr. Julius uh, Brown had a PhD. He was a doctor, and obviously I keep saying doctor. But the the key with him is when I first met him, I had just got my GED. For those of you guys know, it's the equivalent of a high school diploma. And I went to military school, i taken a test, and I, and I failed it by one point. So I was discouraged for so long. And for some reason, I made the decision to go take classes to take the GED again. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. <clears throat> I'll just take it, see where it goes. Well, the day, I'll never forget when I got the results. I completely forgot to take the test. Because you take the test, and well, then, this is in 2009... Well, actually, no, I took the test in 2000, was it 2009? Yeah, I took the test in 2009, October 2009. I didn't get the results back until Super Bowl Sunday 2010. I remember that very vividly because the Saints were in the Super Bowl. And that's, as you guys know, my hometown team. Now, I remember it was. I remember that weekend I was living in Maryland, it was a snowstorm. Sunday was one of those days where, like, you're, you're, you're kind of stuck in the house even though it's coming down. But you're still kind of like in the house, you know. Plus, it's the Saints in the Super Bowl, so whatever. So, so I remember being in the house all weekend, and my mom was like, "Hey, check the mail. I haven't checked the mail since Saturday, uh, Thursday." So like, yeah, sure, check the mail on a fucking Sunday, but okay. And so, check the mail. I see this big envelope, my name on it. So what the hell is this? And so, I look into it, and I see, oh, it's a GED test. So I pull out. The GED for test. First thing I pull out is the actual certificate. So I was like, GED. 
oh, I got my fucking GED. Then at the then there's other stuff in there that showed your scores and blah blah blah. Uh, and so then I didn't know what to do with it. Once you once you get something like that, what do you do with the next right? And so I remember I was going to a church at the time. Or was I going to a church? No, I wasn't going to church at the time. I was, my mom was going to a church. Let me not lie to you people. And so I went there to see her for something. She she was cooking, she, matter of fact, she was cooking a meal for some people in the church. And she said, hey, come come over here and help me. So I was over there helping her. That's my first uh, time I met Dr. Brown. And he was like, hey, how are you doing? My mom had just told him how I got my GED. He was like, you should go to college. I said, I don't even know how to start that process. And he was like, oh, I'll help you along the way, you know, um, if any questions, use resources. So he kind of told me how to do things. So I kind of went on campus, the first school school I went to. And um, I went on campus. I went to see the advisor, did everything he told me to do. And so I found out I was accepted maybe two weeks later, two or three weeks later. It was it was, it was, it was weeks later. I want to say two or three weeks. Anyways, um, I just still didn't know what to do. Like when I went to school, I didn't actually go to school. You know, like legitimately taking a GED course to the GED test is different from going to actual school, waking up, have, making sure you take the responsibility of going to this thing. I went to military school to get out of school. I voluntarily went to military school. I was like, I, I don't want to wake up anymore. I don't, I want to wake up early this more anymore. So let me just fucking go, all right? So me and a friend went. So anyways, um, he said, no, man, this is, how, this is what you do and blah, blah, blah. If there's anything you need on the way, just let me know. So I was going to school, and uh, before me, before I went to school, he gave me this big box. I still have this box to this day. Huge box full of school supplies. Pens, pencils, pads, coloring books, crayons. I said, bro, it's college. He was like, you never know if you're going to need them. <laughs> to this day, I still have all that stuff. So anyways, um, you find, I don't know how many college graduates listen to this. So I don't know. But I remember uh, when I, before I graduated in 2022, um, you find out, you, you know if you're going to graduate or not. And so my last two classes were legitimately walk-in classes. Like you walk in, the only way you can fail is if you just don't participate in one or two weeks. I mean, I mean unless you just don't participate like at all. And so I got a phone call because I graduated in 2020, uh, 2022, um, August 2022. And, um, well, technically, graduation was in December, but my last class was in August. I consider that graduation. Anyways, I get a call from my advisor in June, and she's like, hey, this is the last time I'm, 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 we're going to talk. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess it is, you know. And I had changed advisors a couple times because as you move up in college, you, like, the first, your first advisor you have is like, hey, this is going to be the one that walks you through the first year. Then it changes, and then, if, then depending on if that person stays, it might change. I had three different advisors. The first one wasn't really that helpful because she was already on her way out the door. She had other career aspirations. The second one was just to pass off until this final one that I had for my last uh, two years uh, of college. And so I uh, got a call in June because <clears throat> I took my classes all year round. And so um, I was, she was like, yeah, this is the last time we're going to talk. And I just thanked her for her help, whatever. The first phone call I made was to Dr. Brown. And I was like, hey, I'm graduating. My last class is in August. And he was super proud. And he helped me along the way. Like, uh, uh, he, he always said, use your resources. And that's what I did. I even, uh, I proudly say this, I have no shame in my game. I remember I took a statistics course. And the first time I took it, I failed it. And so I was like, my, my brother, Alone in the Dark, is in like the next room. I live with him and his family. 
I was like, let me bribe this motherfucker to take this because he's great with numbers. So I literally bought him the Legend of Zelda Breath of, Wi- of the Wild. And he, t- <laughs> he took the statistics courses. And the funny thing is, I still learned a lot even though he, I bribed him to take the classes uh, just because he, he himself alone in the dark was like, yo, statistics are very important. And I, to this day, still do use, I mean, to this day, it's only been a fucking year. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, I could see myself using a lot of those tools. It was just putting it all together and the, the last quiz, whatever, just that was whatever. But he was so proud. And hit and then like his because he no I didn't know I don't live in Maryland anymore, so my mom said hey call me when you have time this is the middle of the day I looked at one of my coworkers and said it's never a good thing when your mom says call you in the middle of the day so I just took a break to call call him so she told me he passed away, and so it was just something on my heart to say hey you know uh, give me his daughter's number I want to tell her how impactful he was on my life, and that's when I found his I found his origin story he never shared any of this with me because it wasn't about him. You know, even though I, I was I was naturally being selfish and using my resources and talking to him, he he oh he never once he always made it about me. He said no, you can do this, you do you, and um, you could just tell he had a heart. He was very genuine. That's what made me listen to him. It was he was just a genuine person, and so authentic. And so I called his daughter just to t- tell her, hey, you know, this is told her my name and. Uh, I told her what he meant to me and the impact he had on my life. And so she shared with me his origin story. I didn't know any of this. Uh, when he was younger, him and his mom uh, voluntarily went homeless, hiding from his father because his father was abusive. So they would hide in different train stations. So when the father would then come and say, have you seen this woman and this child? They said, oh, yeah, they got on this train. They actually never got on most trains. They were just sleeping in the train station and, and, and tr- uh, train station attendants were hiding them. Uh, from them because these guys this is a he was this is the 1940s 19 1930s 1940s they weren't well, well protected you know um so uh, and so uh they didn't they they had like a lot of people who they didn't they couldn't go to a lot of places let's we'll leave the other conversation for another day but you guys know where i'm going with that and so when he made the decision to go to college 60 dollars in his pocket and just that hey i can maybe do something with my life and he built his life from that 60 bucks to getting two PhDs. He got his PhD in, I think she said, 1963, uh, all while being married, having his own children. And he always wanted to give back, and he believed in young people. And she kept saying the word authentic, and that is the best word I can use to describe this man. Very authentic and genuine. Just, I know. Ne- that's why it was so easy when I first met him. It didn't feel, you know, sometimes people say, you need to be going to school. You need to be doing it. It was never like that. It was like, hey, man, you know. You should go to school. Maybe you have, you might have more options, you know. And 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 he was like, "Hey, if you need help, I'm here." I'd never had that before. I'd never had the, um, "Hey, I, I, if you you should do this, but I'll help you if you need it." And what I mean, I, when I mean he meant it, every time I called, he answered. Every time I text, he answered. You know, and it was never like, "Oh, I'm going through something right now, man." You know, I, I'm gonna be off the grid for four or five. It was never like that. It was just a very authentic, genuine man. And also, I didn't notice as well. He got first got cancer in 1990. This man was beating cancer for 30 fucking years. Just, just, just amazing. Died at 82. Lived a hell of a life and impacted so many people. So, uh, rest in peace, Martin. You will be missed. Rest in peace, Dr. Brown. The impact you guys have had, not just on my life but on your community is so precious and i just wanted to highlight that uh 
before we get into the CM Punk timeline. So uh, thank you guys and enjoy the show. This is I See Things a Little Differently. I'm out. Anytime we around, it go down. We major. Anytime we around, it go down. Down and down and down again I got so high left my frown in the wind Hard I tried, never try it again Cause these niggas is lying again I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire Girl in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't find her If they sleep and they need a reminder This is for niggas who think we minor What's up everybody, welcome to the show I see things a little differently I am so chemical This is a special episode where We're going to talk about The CM Punk timeline From 2011 Until 2023 and uh, this is a request, and so um, I thought it would be a fun, like, what, like, like, I thought about doing this already, as I said before, and I hadn't really started doing it, and then someone said, hey, do this for, for an episode, because I, I just, I, they're new to wrestling, I think as of the last four years, they got into wrestling because of AEW. So they want to know, like, what's the big deal, they've heard other people's perspectives, and so... They asked me to give my perspective, but give a timeline. And at first, I was going to do it from the 2014 Royal Rumble. That's where my notes actually start. But to me, this is a deeper situation. This started in 2011, so that's where we're going to start. I have no clue how long this episode excuse me how long this episode is going to be. I'm not going to rush anything. I'm going to give you guys the the, the, the nooks and crannies of each situation and we'll go from there and so we'll go we'll start here we're starting at the beginning of 2011 cm punk is really directionless and i said that wrong but i can't say that we're right <laughs> without saying it really slow but he was with no direction and he had taken over the leadership of the nexus group now cm punk's contract was coming up now here's what i remember about the contract situation at the time was he was not happy with the company and he was leaving and he was just going to write his contract out so he ends up taking over the nexus he takes over after they kick way barrett out and his first feud was to be with randy orton where he cost randy orton the wwe championship that year because and they actually in in a, a form of continuity that we had not seen from wwe very much at the time and it turned out cm punk and went to them and said hey if i'm gonna be feuding with randy orton Here's why I should be feuding with Randy Orton. Two years prior, CM Punk had won his first World Heavyweight Championship, cashing in Money in the Bank on Edge. And they get to the pay-per-view. It was a September pay-per-view, and he was supposed to be defending his championship, the World Heavyweight Championship, not the WWE Championship. That's a, he had not won the WWE Championship at the time. He was only a two-time World Heavyweight Champion, two-time Money in the Bank winner at this particular time. Remember that. And he goes into, I can't remember the name of the pay-per-view, but Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels were in their heated feud at the time. And so creative said, Jericho Michaels needs the World Heavyweight Championship. They didn't want to beat CM Punk. So what happened was, Punk was to defend the title. Earlier in the night, Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels had a hell of a street fight. It was brutal. It was nasty. Jericho lost a tooth in that match. Well... Randy Orton attacks CM Punk from behind, gives him the punk kick, and takes him out. So now there's a vacated spot. 
even though they were leaving it up to history. Now, mind you, me being a huge CM Punk fan at the time, I'm like, are they really going to, like, it was clear that Punk was not going to defend the title. Now who now who fits into that spot? So the final member of the that championship match turned out to be Chris Jericho, who was, mind you, he lost the street fight. It was stopped via ref stoppage, and Jericho comes out, and he's beaten, he's bruised. He ends up sneaking and winning the World Heavyweight Championship. It was that six-pack uh, that six-pack challenge type of thing where whoever had the last pinfall would be the champion. So essentially, Brian Kendrick was champion for a little bit, even though it's not officially recognized. Triple H had won. Batista had gotten a pinfall, but he was distracted in the corner. Who got the pin? Now Jericho's your new World Heavyweight Champion. Punk has taken off the shelf for months. I think by the time he came back, he didn't even get a rematch. I think he was immediately like in the tag team division again with with freaking Kofi Kingston. I, I I I could be wrong on that part, but so Punk brought us up to Korea and said, "Hey, this should be my revenge. This is two years later, but I've been plotting this. So now you have Randy Orton versus Nexus." Randy Orton takes the few weeks into WrestleMania, 27, I believe, because I was there, um, to take out diff- different members of Nexus. So now CM Punk is by himself. CM Punk loses that particular match to Randy Orton. It was actually not a bad match on a pretty weak WrestleMania card. And so now you have Punk still the leader of Nexus. Here's how you know that the Nexus was done and it was a dead brand at that point. Going into Money in the Bank 2011... It still said on the banner, CM Punk, leader of the Nexus, even though he was not next They were dead. So, all of a sudden, we have no direction going on, no direction going on. And Punk's contract is coming up. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big deal online because I think a lot of the CM Punk fans at the time, I wasn't one of these fans that wanted him to leave because I didn't know where he would go. He had done everything he wanted to do in ROH already. He had been to TNA for a cup of coffee, but TNA wasn't as hot as it used to be. So it was like, where else are you going to go? Right? It makes no sense. Well, R-Truth was in the middle of a feud with John Cena. And this was uh, when John, when R-Truth turned heel and got himself to a main event. He was never going to win the world title, but it was a nice moment. It's, it's, it's just why R-Truth, will, the day R-Truth gets released, if that ever happens, which I'm assuming it will be, that's going to be another set. It, it'll be like the Dolph Ziggler thing. Because R-Truth helps, has helped out a lot of people. And R-Truth has done a lot um, with the gimmick he's had. He's constantly made himself available for a lot of different things. And so we come up to the table match, Money in the Bank. Excuse me, uh, Monday Night Raw. And table match one night, John Cena versus R-Truth. CM Punk is challenging for the World Heavyweight Champion. Excuse me the WWE Championship in Chicago at Money in the Bank. He had not signed a contract up to this point, a new one. So all of a sudden, CM Punk causes a distraction to John Cena. R-Truth puts Cena through a table. R-Truth wins the match. That is a most forgotten fun fact. R-Truth had just defeated John Cena in a tables match. And no one was talking about that. CM Punk had on the Steve Austin t-shirt. He grabs the mic. He goes to sit down and cuts what we now know as the pipe bomb. We don't need to rehash that. Just go check it out. So he cuts this pipe bomb, which sets the wrestling world ablaze. What I mean it set the wrestling world ablaze. It got people like Jim Rome and um, 
Jim Rome was a, he was a member of ESPN. He was always known for his hot takes, air quotes there, and air quotes, you can't see him doing air quotes. Um, he he was always known for his his, his hot takes. Um, uh, it, it got everyone talking because it was one of the best work shoot promos of all time. Uh, it's definitely top three. If it's not your top, I will be. Uh, if I will let you know if it's not in your top five, where does it land? And like, I would love to see your top five. Now, if you just hate CM Punk, I don't count that. You can hate whoever you want to. Does that doesn't count? Um, but anyways. CM Punk cuts this promo, and now him in negotiations with him and WWE are heating up. Because now that promo leads to a bunch of promos where Punk is essentially holding the company hostage. And he's he's promising to leave with the WWE Championship and go to Ring of Honor and go to New Japan and all these other places. So Money in the Bank happens. It's, I will never forget that pay-per-view. The atmosphere was electric. The <clears throat> no one knew. I don't care what anyone says. I'm sure even people like Dave Meltzer's and whoever else was uh, Wade Keller's. I, I'm 100% sure all those people didn't know until after everything happened they, when they started getting details. That was one of the best kept secrets, and it it made for tension. That Money in the Bank 2011 pay per view was one of the best pay per views of all time. And so you get to the main event. It's filled with tension. John Lauren, Cena has the STFU locked in on Punk. Vince McMahon and John Lauren Nice are outside. Vince McMahon tells Lauren Nice to go run and call for the bell. Lauren Nice runs. Cena jumps out the ring, decks Lauren Nice. And he goes to, to, the, to, to the middle of the, uh, not the, it's not a ramp, but it was the runway, essentially. He says, this is not how this is going to go down. We're going to win this the right way. Mind you, Cena would be, air quotes, fired. If he lost the match, Cena comes back into the ring, gets hit with a GP, GTS, excuse me, and defeats Cena. Punk is going crazy. Everyone's going, everyone's like, "What the hell happens next? What the hell happens now?" <clears throat> it was this this eerie thing, feeling of, "Well, what's going to happen?" McMahon goes to the um to the booth and uh, to the the commentary table and takes off Jerry Lawler's headset. And he says. Del Rio, come cash in. Del Rio, Del Rio, Del Rio, cash in, cash in, cash in, come cash in. Del Rio runs out, gets nailed with a kick. Punk gets on his hands and knees. I'll never forget it. Someone who I was watching the show with says, leave the fucking arena. Leave the arena. Still wrote us, right? Punk then does the most iconic thing he can do at the time. He rolls out of the ring with the WWE Championship, the Spinner Championship. He kisses McMahon and walks out of the arena through Chicago. Later on that night, he tweets out a picture of a Diet Pepsi in his refrigerator and the WWE Championship there with him. When the refrigerator, excuse me. And this was must-see TV. No one knew what was next. And so apparently at the time, WWE was trying to work with Ring of Honor. They were trying to work with other promotions to get Punk to be defending the championship Obviously, that did not come to fruition, but they were trying, supposedly. Um, and what ends up happening is now SummerSlam's coming up. What's the biggest match you can do for SummerSlam? Punk coming back. So now, in the meantime, they have a tournament to decide who will be the new WWE champion. And the finals is set. <coughs> Excuse me. The finals, it's Miz versus Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio got the win. But then what ends up happening is John Cena, who was supposed to get fired but didn't get fired, 
why would he get fired? Real in real in reality, why would he get fired, right? He says, I deserve a rematch for the WWE Championship. Never got it. Punk is gone. So Mysterio wins the title and then loses it the same night to John Cena. All of a sudden, you hear music play. It's the cult of personality. No one in WWE, none of the fans, it was like a very light uh, or smattering of people who knew what cult of personality meant. And it meant that CM Punk was back. So CM Punk comes out. Now there's two WWE champions. And so now the main event's set with Triple H as a special guest referee. There'll be one champion to be determined. We get to SummerSlam, and the Summer Punk, the Summer Punk was RH was great. This was Summer of Punk Light from WWE. So what ends up happening is CM Punk defeats John Cena. CM Punk, well, John Cena's foot was on the rope. Triple H did not see it, but referee's call is referee's call. Punk is in the ring celebrating. All of a sudden, Kevin Nash comes out, and that's when Booker T says. That's the big homie. And uh, Punk lays him out with a jack... I mean, excuse me. Nash lays Punk out with a jackknife powerbomb. Now Del Rio comes in, cashes in his Money in the Bank briefcase, pins CM Punk. What an interesting way to end the summer of Punk. Well, now they have him under contract for another few years. <coughs> now where you go from here? Now you have Unforgiven, the next pay-per-view, which is September. Triple H versus CM Punk is the main event. In a match that is very still, very much still confusing to me to this day, the hottest star in wrestling, who you just beat in a cash-in, and the reason why they couldn't have Nash wrestle Punk is because Nash supposedly couldn't pass a, um, a physical, which is, makes things even awkward, more awkward when he wrestles in the December pay-per-view, Triple H. So that's really, really weird. Anyways, so takes three pedigrees to lay out CM Punk and Triple H wins. In one of the worst... Let me tell you something. Growing up, Triple H was my number two. He was always my number two guy. No one's going to touch Macho Man or Jericho, but Triple H was that guy who could. And the I, what do they call it? Uh, in 2003, was it like the the burial year? Whatever that, that was, that hurt my fandom of Triple H. Now, in fairness, no one else was ready for that spot. And it's clear with the creative they had that time they didn't know what to do they didn't trust anyone else but this made no sense it still made no sense for him to beat cm punk triple h didn't need it you know he needed direction but he didn't need that anyways now you have cm punk now the next month you have cm punk uh del rio i can't remember who the third person was i think it was triple h actually but either way now you have r-truth and miz who are they're, they're teaming up, and they were on this, this hot streak. And they legitimately were interrupting matches. They were making things not safe. I, I thought it was an interesting story. I know R-Truth ended up getting popped for steroids and suspended. So I know that kind of hurt the um, the plans moving forward. But anyways, um, the real ends up retaining the championship in a triple threat hell in a cell match. Survivor Series... CM Punk regains the WWE Championship, which then leads him to his historic 435-day run as WWE Champion, one of the longest in the modern era. Um, and no, Roman Reigns has not touched that with the WWE Championship. Let's make that clear. He's only touched it with the Universal Championship, but that wasn't even a title when Punk was around. So anyways, moving forward, Punk has this reign, and it was very much the 
the Jericho reign. He may have invented very few pay-per-views, even though he was having great matches with the likes of Brian Danielson and other people. He had very few main events. Even the John Laurinaitis John Cena match, John Laurinaitis versus John Cena match, had main events in the pay per view, which is, I'll leave that there. Anyways, um, so now we get to a three hour Raw. And it's the, was the, I think it was the thousandth edition of Raw. And now we're, everyone's expecting something big. We don't know what's going to happen. We're expecting something big. Earlier in the evening, The Rock had made an announcement with Daniel Bryan and. CM Punk in the ring saying how he's going to be challenging for the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble. So now everyone's like really excited, like, holy shit, Rock's going to win the title, and we all assumed it was to be to give it to John Cena, right? So later that night, Big Show was attacking John Cena because John Cena had one money in the bank, and he cashed it in the right way, doing air quotes again. He wanted a match with CM Punk. So all of a sudden, Big Show comes out, he's attacking... John Cena, Punk leaves the ring, which disgusts Jerry Lawler. All of a sudden, you have The Rock come out, and The Rock nails the spine buster, and he's going for people elbow. The people are going crazy. The Rock goes for people's elbow, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see CM Punk with a running clothesline, nailing The Rock. And Rock sails this clothesline like it's death. Rock was always a great seller. This was a great sell from The Rock. And then all of a sudden, CM Punk looks around. He's getting booed now. Now the fans have come to a realization of... This is the big moment. This is the big cliffhanger we've been waiting for. But no one saw it coming. All of a sudden now Punk stomps the bat. Nails a GTL S to rock. Heel turn complete. Or so we thought. And now we move forward. All of a sudden we have John Cena going after CM Punk. He wants a shot at the title. He wants his rematch. He got screwed. Blah, blah, blah. Punk hits a GTS on the car. And we see a car driving past a couple weeks later. All of a sudden, we see, we see Paul Heyman poking out. Now the fans are like, what the hell? He's now aligned himself with Paul Heyman, which he didn't have to do. He didn't need Paul Heyman, but it made for a hell of a turn. Because now, in case you didn't think his hill turn was complete, it is 100% complete now. And so now, moving forward, we have Heel CM Punk going into the Royal Rumble 2013. He loses the WWE Championship to... He ends up getting a rematch against The Rock. Loses that one, too. Now, where does this leave him for WrestleMania? Many people speculated that he would be... It would be a triple threat match against Cena and The Rock. Cena puts his Royal Rumble, because Cena was the 2013 Royal Rumble winner. He put his Royal Rumble shot on the line against... And the pile driver match. The first time we've seen a pile driver in years. And Punk hits a pile driver and the fans went crazy. And apparently they all caught heat for it. And so, now there's no direction for Punk. Now this next segment, Bull fired. Following week, after the match, after the pile driver match, where it's now official, Cena will challenge The Rock for the WWE Heavyweight Championship. Now, and now, where you go with CM Punk? All of a sudden, CM Punk comes out, he's cutting a promo with Paul Heyman, and he just screams out, I'm going to take the streak! And in, and in one of the most tone-deaf moves of all time, literally, there's a fatal four-way match to determine who's going to face the Undertaker to take the streak. In one of the wackiest moves of all time. This actually got a writer. Now, mind you, Vince McMahon still has to approve of these things before they hit television, but 
this 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 is how badly it went over because it made no sense it was just that fucking stupid so anyways punk wins but did he really <laughs> and then he's facing uh, undertaker at wrestlemania 29 which i actually don't remember anything from wrestlemania 29 outside of that match i i legit I, the main event was what the main event was it was rock passing the torch cena apologizing for his comments and you can actually hear rock i remember watching wrestlemania and you can see rock as he's has a championship he said john this is why i came back i came back to do what no other person could do for you i came back to do what hogan and austin can't do because they don't wrestle this is why i came back john and because for many years and it's a whole other thing john cena was talking really bad about the rock about how he didn't care about wwe blah blah, blah. he's a, he since apologized a million times over because that's what he does now you know and so essentially that I remember that moment, but I remember the match because you knew Punk wasn't winning. But um, and by the way, Paul Paul, Paul Heyman had, was recently not Paul Heyman, but um, Paul Bearer was recently deceased, and they were doing a bunch of things with the urn and the ashes and stuff like that. But anyways, um, Punk leaves. Um, Punk loses, excuse me. And then the very next night, Punk takes a vacation, and he walks away. Now when Punk comes back, it's months later. He has a match against Chris Jericho in Chicago. The match is excellent. And eventually now he breaks away from Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman turns on him at Money in the Bank, costing him the Money in the Bank match, busting him open, hitting him with the ladder. Now it sets up probably Punk's best SummerSlam match of all time. It's definitely Brock Lesnar's best Summer match, SummerSlam match of all time. And a five-star classic. I have not watched it in a while. But it was the last time we saw Brock, 2003 Brock Lesnar. It was him versus Punk. And Lesnar won with a bunch of distractions and stuff like that. Punk was very well protected. Brock Lesnar, he's a great seller already. I haven't seen Brock Lesnar do for for uh, CM Punk. I haven't seen do for do way different CM Punk. Um, excuse me, how do I take, let me reword this. I've not seen Brock Lesnar do what he did for CM Punk until I've seen what he did for Cody Rhodes this past SummerSlam. Like, I, you just, he just was so giving. And um, at a time where Brock Lesnar wasn't doing much, he, like, like legitimately was not doing shit. And they had a five-star match. And it was kind of hard to deny that. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, now you have Punk essentially still feuding with feuding with Ryback. He and Daniel Bryanson team up. They're feuding with the, 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 um, the uh, it's a bunch of hodgepodge matches, whatever. Nothing, nothing stamped down and confirmed you know so anyways um now we get to the championship ceremony because now it's december we're in seattle washington and hold on a second guys okay cool and we're in seattle washington and they're going to unite the world heavyweight championship and the wwe championship in a ladder match and it's john cena who is the current world heavyweight champion Versus Randy Orton, who's the current WWE champion. The place is losing their mind. They are going crazy for Brian Danielson. The Yes Movement is as strong as it can be. We have a hodgepodge of that shit that just gets and goes away. It's clear. It, it looked like they were setting WrestleMania matches up. Except for Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels super kicks Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson that nailed um, Triple H with a knee. Uh, Triple H got, uh, he pushed CM Punk out the way. Triple, uh, CM Punk grabs Triple H by the hair, starts punching him or whatever. Um, it, it looked like they were doing a slight um, 
what's the word I'm looking for here? They were doing a slight, they were doing a slight, um, how do I word this? They were doing a slight promotion for WrestleMania, what we could see, right? And so, all of a sudden, that happens, and it built some hype. It built, I got a little excited, not for the Shawn Michaels stuff. To me, whenever someone like a woman in WWE gets hits a man or a retired wrestler who clearly is not taking any more bumps, like hits him, I'm like, nah, it doesn't do it for me. It's a, the pop isn't, it's not gonna, you're not going to get that from me, right? Now we get to the 2014 Royal Rumble, and this is where I was going to originally start. It's right here. We get to the 2014 Royal Rumble, and now you have Punk in there. Everyone's assuming Brian Danielson's going to win. He's a high state. This, this boy's out the fish grease right now. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we're assuming he's going to win. And so all of a sudden, Punk is in there. Punk's in there for a very long time. Then all of a sudden, Kane, corporate Kane, who was eliminated, pulls CM Punk from underneath the ring, never actually eliminates him. <coughs> oh, man. Excuse me. My throat's still not fully healed. Sorry about that, guys. So sorry. So, um, chokeslam on a table. It's completely... Batista ends up winning the Royal Rumble. So now, it's like, okay, who who hit the code red for Kane to screw over Punk? Now you have some questions. And I remember actually watching the Raw, Raw right next, right after, right after, because I was, like, very intrigued that, like, okay, there's so many things to be questioned. Why is Batista winning the Royal Rumble? Why was Brian Danielson not in the Royal Rumble? Was he in the Royal Rumble? Why he eliminated or whatever? Who sent the code red to have code, uh, have Kane? I just realized code red Kane. That was not pun intended. Sorry, but um, I have all these questions in my mind, and then there's no follow up whatsoever, none. All of a sudden, that's when you start hearing about Punk walking out of WWE, and I want to say it wasn't Tuesday. It was that Wednesday where shit really popped off. I seen. I remember I seen something that Tuesday, but it was nobody of noteworthy name. I felt I had the credibility, and I was like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. Then Wednesday, it just, Punk walked out, Punk walked out, and all of a sudden, I was like, okay, what's going to happen now? And that's when shit really, really, months go past. We've only heard the WWE side of things. Everything on CM Punk has been quiet. WrestleMania 30 was all changed around. It was, we, we know that now, and you can even tell it. Um, when the show happened, you could just tell it wasn't what it was supposed to be. I was actually at WrestleMania 30, and you could just tell it just wasn't where it was supposed to be. And it turned out to be one of the best pay-per-views of all time from that company, and one of the best moments, and um, some great scenes going into that. Months go by, all of a sudden, CM Punk and AJ Lee get married. And that's when other reports come out that CM Punk has been officially terminated, and they sent him the termination papers at his wedding day, on his wedding day. Boy, oh boy. And so, all of a sudden, months go by again. Everything was quiet until Thanksgiving 2014, when this is not a pipe bomb. This is not, this was, this was legitimately the world and the internet being set, boom, on fire. Like, it was just... And I remember waking up. It was Thanksgiving. I'll never, I'll never forget it. And all of a sudden, I uh, someone said, Hey, man, have you heard of CM Punk interview? I said, CM Punk? Nah, I haven't heard the interview yet, you know? And he was like, You need to check it out. It's on Cole Cabana's uh, page. So I go to try to download the episode. You know, I was going to support him and pay for it. This cur- it, said, it said it on there. This, this currently is not available to me downloads right now. 
I said, I never heard that before. It won't even download it. So I said, cool, whatever. I didn't know the magnitude of what I was about to hear. So I didn't think anything of it. Next day, same guy. Hey, man, what do you think about that CM Punk interview? I said, homie, it won't let me down. He says, dude, we're on the phone, by the way. He's like, dude, you stop making excuses. I'm going to send you a link. You need, you of all people, you are the biggest wrestling fan I know. I want your opinion on this. Like, because this guy at the time, excuse me, he was uh, a newbie to wrestling. So he just was like, I, I don't know what this means, but I know this means something. And so he sends me a link to it. It was to YouTube. Someone had, someone had uh, essentially downloaded it and put it up. Well, even the next day, I couldn't get through to this thing. I finally said, hey, man, I'm telling you right now, I've been trying. It's You try to listen to it again. Dan, you're right. Just wait until the night. So I waited until like midnight that night. And all of a sudden, I listened to it. Don't remember how long. I think it was like an hour and a half. And to hear the stories you heard, whether it was the Z-Packs, whether it was um, Ryback uh, injuring him, whether it was the, the meeting. Talk about the last meeting he had with Vince McMahon and Triple H, where he said he told, he claims he told Triple H he resented him for losing to him, and that he was supposed to be, his, which was it was clear as day. That's where they were going with him and Triple H, was those two at WrestleMania 30. And Triple H said, well, you're going to be facing me at WrestleMania 30, and you're going to beat me. And he said, supposedly, you need me, I don't need you. At that time, if he was, if he said that, that's <laughs> that was uh, very true. At, at that time, Triple H was... Really the man with no plan. So anyways, mind you, this is the weekend of Sting's debut. That, that thing how crazy that is. Anyways, <clears throat> so all of a sudden, listen to this whole thing, and it was so much to take in. So much to take in. And I hit, the, hit my guy the next day. I said, man, I got to listen to it at least a couple more times. I don't know what to make of any of this. There's so much to unpack here. And my final thoughts on that podcast, because they did, they did follow up the following week, because there was so many things that he said. The second version wasn't as powerful as the first version, because you could tell the first one was him just having so many things to to say. The second one was more of him being con- calm and controlled and just answering questions and whatever. So anyways, I take from it a very disgruntled employee and someone who was messed with enough to where he had enough. He wanted to continue to make the, make the money. He wanted to continue just to be happy and just so many things. And his biggest frustration was clearly, outside of the injuries and the Z-Packs, was clearly, by far, the no the lack of WrestleMania main event. And so, <clears throat> and I understand that. Um, but that's just the reality of it. So anyways, um, I think... Excuse me. I think... And when I listen to this now, it's not as powerful as the John Moxley one, because the John Moxley one was way more controlled and way more of you hear him talking about the things that he would refuse to do. If and my first thought was if John Moxley refuses to do anything, that's just that's kind of ridiculous, right? We know that now because if we see, I mean, if you didn't know that about him before, you know it now because all the things he's done in AEW. But for me, I, I think that one was more powerful just because it was more controlled. And, there, and, and the CM Punk one was clearly, you could poke a lot of holes in it. I would not do that. But you could because he was so angry. And he, he, he even shit on the fans. Like, he was like, don't yell my name at, the, at her or yell her name. And he was like, he was he was taking shots at everybody. You know, it was clear he was just tired of the spotlight. He was tired of the expectations. He was tired of it all. 
you know. And so, the other day, this happens, and all of a sudden now, the WWE and the doctor sue CM Punk. Now, it wasn't WWE, but it was definitely the doctor. And so, it was for defamation of character. CM Punk re-sued, or not re counter-sues, which led to a lengthy legal battle, which caused him and Colt Cabana to then disband their friendship because of it. Because Colt Cabana, he didn't have the mic CM Punk had, you know? Um, and so, he was relying on CM Punk to pay for his medical bills. I mean, his uh, law, law bills, legal bills. And Punk, whatever... We only know CM Punk's side of this. Coca Bennett, to my knowledge, has never spoken about it. Coca Bennett has never spoken um, publicly about any of this. Um, so that's the most interesting thing there. Um, but either way, call, even though Punk won, Punk lost a friend. Coca Bennett lost a friend. And so <clears throat> it's one of those things where. WWE tried to out money Punk, which most companies, big companies, they do that. They just, they sit back all the time and they're like, well, they don't have as much money as we do, so we can just go and attack, 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 and it didn't happen. It didn't work, and so I still think it's a huge loss. Now I don't know Coke Bear personally, uh, but it seems like a lot of people like this guy. I know some people may not but look here. As you grow, people will relationships will fall apart as the roots said right and things will fall apart and as you evolve other people will evolve in a different way than you will that's just the way it is right and so when that happens sometimes it's best just to break off those friendships i i, I think it has a very um what's the best word i'm looking for here? i think punk has a very very strict uh friendship policy follow me for a second i don't just call everyone my friend but I also don't get offended at everybody who thinks they're my friend. When I hear people say, hey, we're friends, I always, it's legit, it just happened just the other day. It's like, are we really friends? Oh, we're not. And they, like, calm down. I don't know how you see me. I don't think about that. I don't walk around thinking, oh, this person's my friend. I have friends. I have friends. I don't, I don't think of things like that. I just don't. But other people, and so for me, I'm sitting there like, oh, okay, that's cool. For Punk, when you hear stories about how he was, air quotes, no air quotes, can't see me doing air quotes, friends with people, and then all of a sudden he stopped being friends with people, the reasoning is, just say you weren't my friend to begin with. Like, I remember there was an uh, interview, uh, uh, <clears throat> what was it, um, it wasn't a you shoot, but it was a you, uh, it was a shoot video, shoot interview with Hornswoggle. And he said, why him and Punk stopped being friends? I guess he had asked for a Punk, he said, hey Punk, you have this person's number. And they got seriously offended at it. He got punk got seriously offended. At now, this one t- I, I have a friend. Me, I have a friend named Warren, and him and I are great friends. And him and I have actually the same rule of not passing. If I don't get someone's number from somebody, it's a red flag. You know, like I don't want anyone to get my number. Blah blah blah. But if we have mutual friends that we know we both talk to, we've asked the other one for the number before. We just have, you know. And I said to him, Hey, I know you don't. He said, Oh yeah, but I know you actually talk to this person now. You know, it's a, it's a difference, you know? So, like, he has a, clearly has a strict friendship rule. And we'll never know the truth. He's, he said he's kept the email chain and everything. Punk, as we learned at the, at the brawl, at the brawl out situation, comes off as a very petty person. When he gets out petty is when he can't handle it, which we learned with him in the Young Bucks. 
So, anyways, that I still think he lost. He won the the war, but I think he lost two battles there. And so, he made some uh, some sporadic appearances from 2015 to 2021 under a mask. If you if you see the footage, it was clearly him. Um, and he, I, I think he made um, I think he made those appearances to help out friends and promotions and whatever. I don't think he ever got paid for those things. And so he did some movies, a number of things, right? He was mainly out of the spotlight. And so all of a sudden, 2019 happens. AEW is officially here. And we have the death of Brody Lee. You ask me why I might bring this up. I bring this up because CM Punk has brought this up. Apparently, Tony Khan had approached CM Punk at the beginning of AEW. Said, hey, what can I do to get you on board with this new company? It said this was his test, air quotes again. Because I guess he had heard about through the grapevine about Brody Lee about you know about to pass away or being sick or whatever, and it was and it came as a shock to the world. Everyone it was everything was top secret, and for those of you guys who don't know the story, um, when Amanda Huber, Brody Lee's widow, knew that he was gonna go, she called two people. She called Cody Rhodes and she called Biggie, the people she the people she really really depended on, and legitimately. <clears throat> Big E drove from Florida to I think Atlanta or whatever they or wherever they were. Cody was in the middle of the night, and that's when he said their goodbyes, and that's when it was she essentially gave her blessing to say, "Hey, this is the way he wants it. This is the way I want it." Boom, boom. So somehow Punk found out, and he said that was a big thing because there was no leaks. Well, let me be clear here: there's leaks in AEW, there's leaks in New Japan, there's leaks in WWE, there's leaks in Impact. We have legitimately Triple H talking to people. We have Sam Punk talking to people. We have the Young Bucks talking to people. Most people talk to insiders. It's how they get their information out there. QT Marshall just left AEW, right? We have five different stories of why he left AEW. It's because he wanted that story. Um, all of a sudden, June hits of 2021. I've told this story before in the podcast. I'll tell it again. Me and Figure Four Wrestling on Aaron, on, on, on the internet, listen, on IG, um, we had talked, and legitimately, I'd seen Cassie Haynes with the report. Now, I was like, and it was clear Brian Danielson had, it was clear he had wrapped up with WWE. He just main evented his second WrestleMania. He just lost the way he lost to Roman Reigns, and he had put Claudio in a position to be successful before he left. And... It was clear Brian was out of the way, uh, or uh, off uh, off the main roster for a while in WWE, and the rumor hit. Say, hey, CM Punk has signed with AEW, and Figure Four was like, dude, it's it's a myth, man. It's like you don't like it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a what's what's the word he used? I can't remember exactly the word he used, but he said essentially it's like that that white whale that you can never catch. I said, nah, this this feels different. Because it feels like it feels like AEW has this momentum and it's building and it's building. By the way, none of these things were ever announced. But think about summer of 2021. In one fell swoop, they got Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. No one was ever officially announced. Adam Cole had re-signed a one-month deal in order to put Roderick Strong over in in, in NXT. We saw those battles with those two, right? And so you're sitting there and you're just watching and, and it kept building, the hype kept building, the hype kept building with never anything. And then Tony Khan rents out the United Center. Everyone knew it then. Everyone knew it. And then the first rampage happens. The first dance happens. 
And then you get the announcement, and the first time CM Punk is back on national television in so many years. And it's like, holy crap on a cracker, he, he, he pulled his white whale. He signed him. And then we get a match at All Out, Darby and Punk. That we've seen, we've seen a rusty CM Punk, but that's okay. In the night, we had at the, the, the debut of Adam Cole. And then right after that, the debut of Brian Daniels. <clears throat> and so you have one of those situations where just so much momentum going on. And all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap, this is, this is powerful. It's never going to be what WWE is because WWE is its own thing. It, it, and, and that's cool. You want WWE to be what it is. I never want WWE to not be what it is. Say what you want to about WWE. WWE has always been sports entertainment. Once Vince McMahon Jr. took over, it was dev, it was sports entertainment. I never want my WWE to be any different. Even having blood in WWE, you don't need it anymore. Just different for that. It's just what it is. If I watch WWE, I'm watching it to be what it is. When I watch AEW, I'm watching AEW to be what it is, not for it to be moving forward. All of a sudden, we have CM Punk and <clears throat> doing tag team matches, putting the face paint on with Sting and Darby Allin. We were a match with him and Eddie Kingston, which anyone going against Eddie Kingston, just, you're just going to get booed. There's a there's a love affair with Eddie Kingston and the fans, which is it's awesome. And then you have Thanksgiving Eve and the first face-off with MJF. And CM Punk. After the previous week, MJF tried to shake CM Punk's hand, and CM Punk just walked away. They went 20 minutes, something that AEW had never done before. They never just went 20 minutes of the of it's just promos. What a feud to start off. So then all of a sudden, you have these two feuding. Then you have their first match in Chicago, where essentially MJF gives Punk his first loss, and he he, he technically beat him twice. And then you have this feud that continues. And then you get to Revolution. But in, in the meantime, in the background, Wardlow is getting, he's one of the hottest pieces of, of the company. And you have that story. That's what made the MJF CM Punk thing so great. To me, when I look at that feud, I look at that feud like I look at WrestleMania 14. You have Tyson versus Austin, which is so intriguing. The world champion, who's perhaps one of the greatest of all time, or, if the, or if, in some people's opinion, the greatest of all time, who is the world champion, about to pass the guard to the next generation, essentially. He's like the background character of all this. Like, but people are so focused on Tyson. To me, Punk was was helping to elevate Warlow and MJF, and he was a background player when when the feud was between MJF and but it was MJF versus both people. Excuse me. So, all of a sudden, you get to Revolution and you have a dog collar match and in a terribly bloody affair. Um, MJF loses thanks to Warlow. Putting the diamond, diamond, uh, the diamond ring, <clears throat> excuse me, on the apron and costing MJF the match. So now you have one, one, one. After MJF feud, now MJF has moved on to Wardlow, and now you see doing the belt logo, doing the belt gesture, excuse me. And I remember when I first saw, it, I said, CM Punk doesn't need the AEW World Championship. It's gonna happen, but he doesn't need it, right? Turns out he never won the AEW World Championship. It was Tony Khan pushing, hey. This is what I want. This I want you to be the world champion. And when you think about it, they got their first million dollar gate because of Punk. All that good stuff. So why not give him it? This is, I, I've said this before. This is not. This is not the 90s. You can give someone the title without. It doesn't have to be the whole thing of. Well, the title isn't. He doesn't need the title. The, the title isn't important. You know, like that, that's not a thing anymore. You know, it wasn't a thing back then. If we're being real, it was just you didn't want to kill a golden goose. You know, 
And so, um, anyway, so now we get to Hangman Adam Page versus CM Punk. And in one of the weirdest feuds of all time, Hangman, who is a complete babyface, all of a sudden, you have this weird dynamic with Hangman. He's so angry. And he's so frustrated. And I remember saying to myself, like, I remember writing notes, like, why is Hangman so angry? Like, what is going on here? And <clears throat> he cut that worker's right promo. And apparently, according to CM Punk, Hangman has not talked about it. According to CM Punk, it was not in their agreement. He never agreed to that those words. And essentially, he was blaming Punk for Coke Cabana being sent to ROH. Do I believe CM Punk uh, asked Tony Khan to send him? I do. CM Punk's not stupid. CM Punk knows that he that Coke Cabana was sent to ROH because... Tony Khan said, you know what? I have my megastar now. I need, I need to keep him happy. <clears throat> There's certain things you get as a megastar, treatment-wise, that you don't have to ask for. I remember watching a, a show back in the day where it was like, I don't remember the name of the show. It was, it was on MTV. That's how long ago this was. And they were saying how, hey, these rappers have these habits when they get into hotels. So now when they go to that same hotel, like, the, the hotel just has it. And like they said, Nelly... <laughs> If you never heard of him, sorry. Um, he he has a habit of wanting only the finest of soaps. 50 Cent had a thing for M&M's. So, like, when he would sign into certain hotels and get a suite or whatever, whatever, whatever room he would get, it will be filled with M&M's. So interesting, you know. Peanut M&M's are very delicious. Um, but, yeah, when you're a superstar, you get superstar treatment. So, for Punk to... Um, I'd like he, he was surprised by it. that's to me disingenuous because you you, you know what you're going to get you know the kind of treatment you're going to get because you're the star here Coca but no one that says with no disrespect no one is turning on AEW television or even ROH television to see Colcabana maybe not ever I don't know I don't know your fandom you know to, but I know I've I haven't heard anyone call for the name of Colcabana in a very very long time so, let's not even pretend like that's a thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, we get to Double or Nothing. Punk wins the De- the World Heavyweight Championship. His first World Championship in many years. And now he's dethroned a homegrown talent. So now, we're heading to our first ever Forbidden Door. CM Punk is teaming with FTR. CM Punk changes the summer of Punk and changes the trajectory of of his life and the trajectory of AEW up until now. He jumps the ramp into the crowd, breaks his foot. He knows his foot's messed up. He's not bad. Now, he's scheduled to face Tanahashi and defend the AEW championship. Well, now Punk has a broken foot. Punk wants to surrender the AEW heavyweight championship. And Tony Khan once again refuses. He says, we're going to do an interim champion. And so now John Moxley who was not anywhere near the world title picture, now he's put in place, not defend, but to earn a interim championship. It's him and Tanahashi that will main event the first ever Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Up until that point, John Moxley was supposed to be in, a, I believe, a six-man tag with Eddie Kingston. And so, all of a sudden, now you have Tanahashi and John Moxley. Moxley gets an interim championship. I personally don't understand interim championships and how it works, like the ruling, like the rules with it, like, because I've been told by different people, just so don't yell at me, but I've been told by different people that like, hey, if you're an interim champion, 
it doesn't actually count as a complete reign. It counts as an interim reign. So it's like an asterisk next to it. But if you're walking around with the world title, I know for me, I don't want anyone with an asterisk. That's like me saying, hey, I'm a world champion in basketball, but it's an asterisk. That makes no sense to me. There's no such thing. If you want it, you want it. That's just me, though. So anyways, now you have Punk coming back. He comes back sooner than believed. And then all of a sudden, now your match for All Out set up. Well, now Punk and John Moxley can't wait to get their hands on each other. So they have the match two weeks before the pay-per-view. I remember watching this last year saying, what the hell is going on? It felt like you were going to see something different. And we did. TM Punk got squashed. And now John Moxley is a two-time officially AEW champion. Behind the scenes, John Moxley wanted CM Punk, he wanted to put CM Punk over as strong as possible, and he wanted to do it in Chicago. And so his idea was the whole Rocky thing. Hey, I want to beat you when you come back. You're not fully healthy. I want you to cut this impassionate speech. Then you come back and you beat me, right? Whatever. CM Punk was not, CM Punk thought the idea sucked because he had never heard of Rocky. He had never watched, he, he had never watched Rocky. I said at the time, who's, who's ever watched an episode of, I mean, a movie of Rocky? Like, you never even heard of it? Like, you, or you don't get the gist of it? Like, it's a, it's an underdog story. Like, you came back too soon, and, you know, you, you, you got tested and, and hurt. That was it, right? And so, but Punk thought it, was, it, Punk thought it sucked. And Moxie was like, I'm trying my best to put this guy over as best as possible. I want, I want this guy to beat. Now, mind you, John Moxley, even to this day, is one of the most protected people in AEW history. I would dare say this guy is the most protected guy in AEW history. He is by far the ace of AEW. Without a shadow of a freaking doubt, he is the ace. So, if this guy who, you know, he may not be the, 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 the draw power doing air quotes again that you are, but this guy who actually, you know, picked the ball up in your absence wants to do it, I would think you would want to do it. But anyways... Punk now is challenging, and we don't even need to get into how they got there. It's one of the worst things ever. It was an open contract that John Moxley just left there, and, and of all people, a producer walked out and grabbed it. Ace Steel walked out and grabbed it. Of all fucking people. Anyways, <clears throat> so now you have Punk, Moxley, and now Punk goes in. He hurts himself. You can tell he's injured, but he wins the AEW Championship for the second. Now we have the media scrum. We don't need to rehash this either. We all know what happened. He ate muffins. He destroyed 90% of the roster, including the EVPs. And he embarrassed the company. <clears throat> and, you know, it was, one of those few it was one of those few times I was embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Not because of what happened. Partly because of what happened, but because... I was such a, I'm such a wrestling junkie at times. Like, I get in these, like, example, as I'm recording this now, I'm, I'm in my down phase. I'm, I'm, I probably won't get back, <clears throat> excuse me, I probably won't get back into full swing of wrestling until the Royal Rumble. Like, I, 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 I want to say around this time every year I get burnt out. That's why I always think of things to do in December to, like, if I, if I'm doing a show, say, hey, let me, let me just, like, send, like, just record this and do this. And that way the show's still going. There's no missed episodes or anything. Because I get burnt out. But I'm such a wrestling junkie. It's ridiculous. And so, the only time. This is the only time I've actually watched the media scrum. Like, I legitimately watched the pay-per-view. Then I immediately cut over and watched it. I waited for the media scrum. So I saw it. I'm sitting there and I'm watching. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm thinking, is this a work? And I'm looking at Tony Khan. I said, this isn't a work. Like, what is he doing? just stunned and so now we have brawl out you guys know about that 
<clears throat> excuse me, so we don't need to rehash that or anything. But now you have Brawl out. Punk is injured, so he's been stripped of the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have been stripped of the Trios Championships. All parties suspended. Punk was going to be out no matter what anyway. Get him out of here. Boom. Now it's a tournament to determine who is going to be the next AEW World Heavyweight Champion. We all know that title was going to MJF no matter what. But they then called on John Moxley again. And Moxley wins this tournament and becomes a three-time. And up until this point, it will be a while before we see it. Because the only person that has a two-time reign is Punk. And Punk has no title defenses in those two title reigns. But John Moxley wins the AEW Heavyweight Championship for the third. And that's a record he's going to have for a good while. Right? And so, all of a sudden, we have confusion. Everybody has this side of the story. We have these legal threats. We have the Bucks and Omega just out. They they make their triumph return. And nothing's said about Punk. All of a sudden, Dax Harwood, who had a podcast at one point in time, says that he, he's talked to Punk, and Punk says he misses it. So now it's like, oh, well, look here, we're all on the CM Punk train. No matter what, no matter if you want to be on this train or not, we are all on the CM Punk train, and we just have to let watch it play out. That's just all, that's just all it is to it. So now we have <clears throat> Punk posting on social media. We have rumors of a new pay-per-view called Collision. We have excuse me, a show called Collision. We have CM Punk showing up at Monday Night Raw in Chicago. Air quotes, no air quotes, can't see me in air quotes. Making amends with the Miz, trying to talk to Triple H, but Vince McMahon has him kicked out of the paper of the, of the state of the stadium because he's technically signed with AEW still. So all this could be a trick. All this could be a trap. So then the rumors get stronger and stronger and stronger, and then all of a sudden we have the announcement of Collision which will cause a, a, a soft brand split, and Collision will be the CM Punk show. These things were never said. These things were just open and honest. It, 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 just, it will be the CM Punk show. FTR will be on it. The House of Black will be on it. Miro will be on it. Think about Miro has not shown up on Dynamite since Collision happened. You know, Thunder Rosa will be on, on Dynamite. Andrade El Idolo will be on Dynamite. I mean, excuse me, on um, Collision. So Thunder Rosa, all these people, blah, blah, blah. CM Punk gets announced as he's making his return. No matter what you see in Punk, he will be one of the most polarizing people in wrestling history. He, he just will always be. He's always been that way. That's how he is. Now we have Collision on Saturday nights. Collision, I don't care what anyone says, probably the best wrestling show all year. Wrestling show all year. Great matches on their classic matches. Now we have the Owen. CM Punk gets to the finals of the Owen. Loses to Ricky Starks. Now we have a few between Starks and Punk. Meanwhile, Punk is... Calling out MJF saying he's not the real world champion. Meanwhile, Samoa Joe's breathing down uh, uh, CM Punk's neck. So we have those two in the feud again. Then we have all these rumors about CM Punk banning people from Collision. CM Punk doing this. CM Punk doing that. And we have this weird story that no one was really talking about in the shadows. Well, Jack Perry, you know, he wanted to use real glass. And Punk said we're not doing that. Because that's dangerous. Do that shit at Dynamite. Was he wrong? No, but, you know, Jack Perry wanted to do it, and he, it was his idea, whatever. So now we have All In in Wembley. The, no matter what you guys think, it is, te- it is and, 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 and London has confirmed this, <clears throat> it has the most paid attended wrestling event of all time. AEW has that record for the next however many years until WWE breaks it, and then the, the companies will keep breaking the record. It just will happen. 
And you have Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. On the pre-show, you have Jungle Boy, Jack Perry versus Hook for the AEW, or excuse me, for the FTW title. All of a sudden, in a throwaway line, which did not need to be said by Jack Perry, he smacks the can, uh, the, the, the card, says, real glass, boom, boom, boom. Alright? Uh, I knew what that made immediately. Little did we know the repercussions of that one. And now we have rumors of <clears throat> Punk approaching Jack Perry saying, do we have a problem? We have then we have, we have Jack Perry swinging at Punk. We have Jack Perry being put in a headlock by Punk. We have Punk getting super angry and lashing at uh, Tony Khan. We have Samojo being uh, the, the voice of reason. And we have the trios, champions at the time. Um... They, they were like, hey, are you guys going to be ready to go on? Because the first match of the night was supposed to be CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. So we get the CM Punk-Samoa Joe match. Punk wins. And I remember watching it. And I remember I was at work watching it. And me and someone else was looking at it. And we looked at, we looked at each other at the same time. It was eerie. And he said, what, why is Punk ass? This looks like Punk's last time in the, in the AEW ring. It just looked eerie. It was weird. And so... All of a sudden, now we have Tony Khan coming on. Now we hear these rumors coming out. And now Tony Khan saying how he felt unsafe and all these other things. And uh, he had to terminate CM Punk. And it was thanks to, uh, it was not thanks to, but it was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was recommended by a group of, um, a, a disciplinary committee. And so at that point now, what do you do? CM Punk now is a free agent after, I'm sure, a month or two or whatever. I mean, he got fired. I haven't heard too many AEW contracts having a 90-day clause in them yet. Um, but this is where the rumors of him going to WWE was because Survivor Series in Chicago. Those rumors were heated up for a good minute. And then we get to Survivor Series, and I told this story just a few weeks ago. I woke up to JT saying, Randy, you were CM Punk, and I said, wow. I, and I said this, I said this, and I said this, I still think it's a whack move. People are, look here, they will eventually unleash the beast that is CM Punk. CM Punk will eventually get his, get into the groove of things. You know, he has no power here, you know. Um, so once things, once he gets into the groove of things, um, I'm sure it will be um, for him and for everybody. Um, so that's your timeline. Um, and so here's my here's my final thoughts on this. CM Punk will is without a doubt he's helped both WWE and AEW make a lot of money, and he's made a lot of money too, you know. And he will for always he will always be polarizing. That's just who he is. Is he one of those kind of people that you can work with? Probably not. If you go to your job every day and you have someone like CM Punk, you probably don't want to work with want to work with that guy every day. To me, CM Punk, which makes him so relatable to so many, is that he is a lot of those people. <laughs> he is a lot of those people that he's pretty miserable. When he's miserable at work, everyone else has to be miserable at work. When he's in the mood, everyone has to be in the mood. You know, when he's great and he and everything, everyone loves him. Now, he, he's a microcosm of what people... That, to me, the same way Spider-Man is your biggest superstar of all time in, in comic books, it's because of how relatable it is. When you can't pay your rent on time, when you are struggling, that's that's Peter Parker. Like CM Punk is one of the most moody people you ever meet. You know, I, like it's funny because the one time I met him, like he was talking to a bunch of people, whatever, blah blah. blah. And he's one of the only wrestler I've had where he's like, "What are we doing with this?" Like I was like, "Oh, you could just sign your name." 
he was like, are you going to sell this? He was like, I was like, no, but if you want to put my name on there too, it's cool. I don't, I don't care. I keep all my stuff. I don't sell. He says, I said, I said, I said, I said I, if I ever sell any of my autograph stuff, I'm in a really bad way. And he started smiling. He was like, fair enough. And he signed his name or whatever. He's the only wrestler that actually, like, you could tell he likes being out with the fans. You could tell he appreciates it. But you can tell he's a, he's got kind of his guard up. You know, I remember, I remember I remember being in Chicago for that event. This one dude, the very first guy in line, this guy had over 80 things CM Punk. It was clear he was selling that shit on eBay. And it's like, there's no way you're going to make your money back, homie. There's no way. Anyways, um, the young the young mucks refuse to squash the beef. This is as much as... It's everyone's fault. Everyone has a has a part to play in it. Tony Khan, CM Punk, uh, the Young Bucks. It's clear that they are not mature enough to be EVPs. Um, they should not be EVPs, in my opinion. Maybe Kenny Omega, but not them. Um, <clears throat> and and Daniel Bryan said it best. Sometimes the right decision is the hardest decision, no matter what. And that's just what it is. This was the best decision for AEW. AEW and his thing for as much as CM Punk did. AEW, they didn't just sell 90,000 tickets off the strength of CM Punk. He was not, let's, not, let's be realistic here. They sold it because it's an ensemble cast. They had access to Will Ospreay. You still have Chris Jericho. You have Kenny Omega. You have Takeshita. You have MJF. You have Adam Cole. You have a number of people that were a huge part of that. Like to me, when I, listen, when I see Avengers Endgame, what, what it did, right? For everybody who's a Captain America fan, there's someone who's a Drax fan. There's someone who's a Thor fan. There's someone who's a Hulk fan. It's not one person. It's an ensemble cast. So he did just as much damage too, and he could have ruined what should have been a perfect. So he's just as fault as much as fault as everyone else. And also the the the, the, the and look here, the locker room will forever be split in AEW because a lot of those people, man, Chris Jericho, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. Personally, went to Tony Khan and said, hey, you should sign this person. But think about this. Sammy Guevara was doing his thing, and and Jericho said, no, you need to sign this guy. You know? Like, the locker room in WWE will probably, will probably be stronger because there is no EVPs as talents. You know? Um, so that's that's going to always hurt AEW's locker room. And the Young Bucks are very divisive in their own right. You know? Uh, love them or hate them. But um, anyways, that is your CM Punk timeline. Um <clears throat> I, I'm 100% positive I left nothing out. <laughs> um, but also, the little details matter. And here, I hope CM Punk fans are happy that he's back. Hope they give it time to let him stew in a new arena. Because WWE is a new beast now. And not, it's not what he left 10 years ago. Um, but it's it's going to be very important to give to give it time. Anyways, that is a show. I see things a little differently. I'm so Chemical. This has been your CM Punk timeline. And I am out.